आप कैसे हो बढ़िया हो क्यों बढ़िया हो And there are there are people who frozen there. Sperm freezing is so much more different. <laughs> yeah, sperm freezing I guess is fun for you guys. I wonder why this jumping between relationships thing is becoming so common now. And this generation is also like a lot more open about what they want than we ever were. People are having sex. That's a great thing for them. Like more power to them, you know. Like um, you're talking about Gen Zs. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Instagram triggers too much, for lack of better words, horniness in people? I see that with a lot of guy friends of mine. They see something on Instagram and either they use porn or they use dating apps to go. <laughs> Welcome. to the world of men with this whole young heart attack young cancer situation in the coming decade we're probably going to lose friends new year new chairs but same old trs this is not exactly your typical trs conversation it's a lot more casual it's a conversation between two 30 year olds it just happens to be that this person is my best friend she's been my best friend since the age of 13 i've known her since the age of 9 so there's an extreme amount of chemistry and she's my answer to the question where people ask you once in a while can a girl and a guy actually be friends the truth is yes especially if it's a friendship that began in childhood so this is a very raw very real very relaxed conversation with nandini shanoy she's been on the episode before she's been loved by you before and if you're around my age i think you'll connect with this conversation even more It's a very easy going listen. Enjoy. It's TRS with Nandini Shinoy. Happy 2024. Oh. peaceful vibe in the air i don't know if that's something you feel as well i think it's also because a lot of people are asleep at that point mm-hmm. so like it's just nice um but yeah i actually went to sleep at like uh, 
I don't know, 11.30 or 12.30 this year. I was at home. Turning 30? Yeah, I know. I love it. I uh, spent some time at home with like my family and like I went to sleep pretty early. It was nice and very boring, but uh, thoroughly restorative. Dude, I can see how my preferences are becoming so much more mellow as I head into my 30s. Yeah. Like I just want mellowness in every aspect. I, I think I'm going through a major nesting phase. Where uh, I want to just like make the house that I really love, you know, like so uh, suddenly I've uh, started uh, just getting into like interiors and getting into like different paint colors and what paint colors look nice with like what furniture and things like that, which is like, which I think if I had told 20 year old me this like 10 years ago, she would have like just like scoffed and gone like what an auntie, but like I'm very proud of my auntie status right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people generally our age are going through this nesting phase situation. It's like when you enter a mall, you actually look out for the home decor store yeah, exactly. and then you realize I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I told you that I saw a really like, cute spaceman at uh, Sadhguru, which was like, I really wanted for my house. Yeah. But, yeah. What do we talk about today? I don't know. Let's talk about growing up it's and dealing with being 30. Dealing with being 30. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, actually maybe not dealing with might not be the right word because I feel like uh, there was this um, huge existential crisis that is associated with turning 30 because it's like, oh my God, now you're just going to turn old. But uh, honestly, one, my life hasn't uh, seemed that significantly different. Maybe just like the addition of a three in front of my age is just like, made me less susceptible to like what people think about me because it's like my 20s ran out. What was the point of thinking about what other, what opinions other people have? Uh, but other than that, like, I don't feel very different, but I think you're supposed to like when you turn 30, right? Isn't that that like expectation that like your life uh, changes in some way? I can give you the guy perspective. Hmm. At least this is all my friends who happen to be super into some kind of fitness or hmm. sports situation. All the guys are going through a lot of injuries hmm. randomly and those injuries are taking time to recover. Yeah, yeah they're taking time to heal. Uh, that's the big difference you see as a guy, which honestly, it might sound stupid, but it's a little emasculating. Like you feel like, oh, f You're not as infallible as you thought you were. What is infallible? As in meaning like you're not as invincible as you thought yeah. you were. Yeah. You know, like you, you, your masculinity gets challenged a little bit, especially... If you're into fitness regularly through your 20s, you get injured a lot, but your injuries recover like that. Yeah. Uh, little bullshit like, you know, picking up a suitcase will randomly injure your shoulder and you'll be like, wait, I could do this like very well five years ago. Yeah. happened? Yeah, yeah that, that happens to me a lot. Like if I uh, go and pick up my like garbage bags and they're a little too heavy, then the next day I'll have back pain. Like, uh, it's a lot. You know, this year honestly has been both personally and professionally very painful for me. Like I've gone through failures, trauma, rejection, mm. one intense breakup also to the point where I've really gotten melancholic. Is that the way you say it? Yeah. What is melancholy? It's like sad, like a sadness, like mixed with longing kind of. I, I, I kind of look at it as a happy it's, way of looking at sadness. Yeah, it's like a bittersweet feeling. Have you seen Inside Out? Yeah. So you know that thing in Inside Out where uh, she's trying to run away from sadness and so then sadness disappears and then at the end they're talking about those memories and they show her that like that happy memory also had like 
uh, sorry that sad memory also had like a bit of happiness connected to it and which is what makes the memory so meaningful mm. uh, that that is what they're trying to describe is the feeling of melancholy yeah there's this band called cigarettes after sex which everyone our age listens to at least in mumbai delhi yeah. bangalore and generally all over the world i've seen everyone yeah. in our age group listens a lot to cigarettes after sex because it's very similar to the music we used to listen to in our teenage you know like we used to listen to a lot of uh, green day and papa roach it's kind of an extension <laughs> of that yeah with i think slightly deeper lyrics i i hear a lot of people listening to cigarettes after sex i don't see a lot of gen z's listening to cigarettes after sex okay. and uh, there's a very close gen z bro of mine who i work with i was traveling with him in australia mm. and he hated cigarettes after sex and cigarette cigarettes after sex is very melancholic music it's kind of sad but it's also not sad it's very like Lo- sad it's filled with longing it's it's sad with an element of love i don't know how to explain it it's mm. it's like the people who've composed that music and who have written the lyrics have come to terms with their own sadness and i see everyone i age listening to that music i don't see too many young people listening to that music and that makes me think that okay Maybe that's they haven't reached that level of sadness yeah, yet that's what your 20s do to you and no one tells you about this in school that actually your 20s will throw these very big knockout punches at you yeah uh which also makes me think that It's not just your twenties, but life probably will throw these knockout punches at you. Like so many knockout punches, which are way bigger, actually coming towards us. Yeah, I mean, uh, life has a way of kind of evening everything out. Uh, when I was younger, I used to feel that like um, karma was like a crock of shit. You know, I used to feel that like oh, you know, like um, bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people, and that's just like how it works these days. Why did you think like that? I don't know, like things that were happening at that time that made me feel that way. Um, but with time, I've kind of realized that everything is. Um, what am I thinking of? Karma. It's, it's like a wave, you know. Like uh, for every like good time you have, like you will also have bad times, and life evens everything out. And uh, your twenties, I feel, are just one long ten-year exercise in being humbled by life. like over and over and over again like there will be plenty of good things that will happen to you but like the rest of it is just like it's like every time you think that okay like i have this figured out it's like life going like no you don't like think again which is why intense breakups or intense forms of failure or rejection get easier to deal with as you age let's hope uh, i think the rejection bit of it uh, sure uh, i think i've been through quite a bit of that at this point so like i think now i don't care so much about that it's uh, i will probably like think about it and brood about it for like an hour or so and then i'll just move on uh when it comes to breakups and stuff it's just like um, it's a lot you know um it's not just the breakup itself it's like whatever aspirations you've kind of attached to that relationship uh whatever how however much you've kind of integrated then you have like so much information about a person you know like just random information that's just sitting in your brain because at some point you've cataloged it there and um, to kind of get rid of all of that i feel like takes a little bit of time and i'm determined to do it right i'm not doing this male repression shit <laughs> like I, i just want to like you know figure it out correctly so that i don't drag more trauma into my life going forward I think I'm doing the male repression shit. I know which is why I called you out. <laughs> you know why I'm saying that because I was about to say that I've cried so much this year mm. that I think my tears have like dried out. And that happens for a while actually that happened to me also uh in the middle um in about July or so where uh, I wept so much 
like constantly that I think from August to September I couldn't feel anything. Like yeah. I just couldn't. Like my body couldn't produce any more tears. That's yeah. Uh, but that happens. But uh, uh, that's also a phase because this time in December I wake up every day and I have a cry. Like every single day I have a cry. And um, I know that a lot of people would like to tell me that like, oh, don't like it's not worth it. And you shouldn't cry about these things and all. But I honestly feel it is a part of my healing to like cry about it and get it out of my system. You know, like it makes me feel more stable. It feels like, okay, I have dealt with my feelings in the morning. And it actually makes me feel a lot more positive about the rest of the day. So, yeah, it'll come back. If you're cried out right now, it's okay. Give it a few mm. months. No, I actually feel nice about it. I, I feel very flatlined. I'll tell you why. Because uh, this was also the biggest professional year for me. So it was very weird seeing the two things happening. Like personal life was f***ed. Mm. And professional life was great. Mm. And then the world only sees the shiny exterior without understanding what's happening on the interior. Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the year now, uh, dude, I had like this family vacation which I came back from two days ago. Mm. It was like a two, three day thing. It was very lavish and I paid for it. Mm. And I took my nana, nani, mama, mommy, two cousins, uh, mom and sister, her husband and my niece out. So it was like four generations of the family. And uh, that was very satisfying. Oof. It, it gave me more professional motivation. So it kind of, the thing is I'm in my heart, I'm still a fitness trainer mm-hmm. where my career began. So I count every rupee. So there was a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm spending like a fair amount of money. And the moment I saw all the experiences that unfolded in those two days, and there was a lot of heavy duty experiences. Dude, my grandparents are 90. Difficult for them to travel. So this yeah. is one of the last travel experiences in life. And the whole family has come to terms with it. They've come to terms with it. Yeah. Uh, I remember on 31st December, the sunset I was seeing from that villa we were in. Okay. I'm doing my meditation with my mala. And my Nana's sitting down and he's doing his meditation with the mala. Mm. And the whole family is just chilling. And we both internally know that we're both doing it together and praying for the good vibes for the family. Uh, and we're just looking at each other, looking at the sunset. And he stopped his mala. He looked at me. He's like, that's a great sunset. I was like, yeah, that is. Okay. And then we kept doing it. And then the sunset, colors start changing and we're still meditating. And that's probably the biggest core memory I've developed with my Nana when he's like, 91 years old. Dude, it uh, re-injected me with a little bit of emotion. I was feeling very emotionless by the end of the year. I was like, oh, I'm just a batsman batting, doing all these podcasts, doing my professional commitments. I don't really have any emotions. Actually, family has a way of kind of doing that to you. Like, we so, we've discussed this, right? How, like, people um, tend to regress around, like, people who have seen them when they are younger. Uh, and I think that also to an extent happens with family where you, you kind of, I guess, feel a little bit safer to yeah. be emotional. Non, not judged. Yeah. And um, now that I think about it, you know, I just said, right, like, oh, I've been waking up every day and crying and whatever. Uh, but I honestly, I guess I connected the dots right now that I probably feel like it's safe for me to cry because I'm doing it at home. Uh, whereas like when I'm not here or whatever i'm just like going about my day you know because i'm just like i don't want to think about this shit and so like i'm like let me just like pile on as many things as i can in one day so i don't have to think about it and do the old repressed guy shit so like um yeah maybe that is what it is like you feel close to people and that emotional and like intimacy allows you to 
feel vulnerable what is repressed guy shit generally speaking do you see a lot of indian guys around you at least or you you're studying I, in america so i that's a general guy question not just indian guys i don't know that i can speak for like guys overall but like from what i've seen like i feel that if you're not dealing with how you feel about a breakup and you're just like kind of jumping into something else or jumping into someone else like that is not i don't think it's healthy and i also feel like it's not super fair to the person that you're kind of doing that to unless you guys talk about it and you both know that it's like a super casual thing where you're not going to be interested in them at all um i think dragging baggage from your past relationships because you haven't uh, like resolved it is uh, i think it's very unfair to the person that you'd be in a relationship with because uh, why should they have to do it they also deserve a whole person you know and they also have their own baggage so why why drag it in just like deal with your stuff it's okay one can one can be alone for a little while uh in general i feel that like um, i think people don't place enough value on being single mm. i don't know why the mentality has become that like oh if i'm single i must date someone immediately or i must like find someone like it's okay like you you should first learn to be okay with your own company learn to feel like more settled and calm in yourself uh kind of explore what things actually matter to you what are the things that make you feel alive that have nothing to do with anyone else and then i feel go ahead like go forth and do whatever you want i wonder why this jumping between relationships thing is becoming so common now and my answer to that is probably dating apps i mean dating apps are the means dating apps are not the cause right like the they, cause they, is loneliness i would think so because i think that as much as uh, like everyone goes like oh the digital world has connected us so much or whatever i feel that connection is entirely notional like it's like in theory i am connected to my friend ranveer all the time but in practicality we talk maybe once a month or like once in two months depending on what both our schedules are right so i think it's like everyone i don't know i think it's like that uh, there's a divide between like what you're expecting versus what the reality is and in that divide people end up getting like really lonely is my kind of reading of it because you're expecting your life to be like full of like friends and fun like the amount of reels that i saw about like oh this was my 2023 with like people with the like a hundred different videos of their friends and whatever and like despite the fact that i know that instagram is a highlights reel like a small part of me felt bad i'm like where was i doing like what was i doing in this like year right do you think instagram triggers too much for lack of better words horniness in people i see that with a lot of guy friends of mine see something on instagram and either they use porn or they use dating apps to cope uh i wouldn't know honestly because uh i i don't know anyone who's using instagram for that to be very honest with you for what for to like just look at pictures of women or <laughs> to like welcome to the world of men <laughs> i guess i would like to hope that not all men are basically just sitting and using their instagram to like scam on chicks i i do think that a lot of guys is instagrams not not all but a lot of guys is instagrams are extremely sexual not all but many especially when you're younger and your testosterone is much higher etc i i think instagram is a fairly sexual place instagram is full of sexuality dude i guess Is My, it? It's not the same for women. 
I can't speak for women. Everyone's Instagram is different. My Instagram is like, it tells me food things. It tells me geopolitical things. It tells me movie things. It tells me like random gossip. And for whatever reason, uh, I hear way too much about Taylor Swift and her dating life. But that just seems to be the news cycle. So, um, yeah, my Instagram is, I don't think hypersexual to be very honest, but that just might be a product of who I am because I'm not on Instagram I, for uh, that. I get what you're saying. My Instagram used to definitely be sexual in my mid-twenties until I realized that why the f*** is my Instagram so sexual? And I realized yeah, that it's just, it's a very normal urban guy problem. I remember unfollowing a lot of accounts uh, who had followed probably in my teenage, in my early 20s. And I remembered unfollowing a lot of uh, content creators in general, dude. Hmm. Or at least muting a lot of content creators because I was bored of their content. And my Instagram suddenly turned into a sports Instagram. So now I get a lot of cricket, football, basketball, hmm. MMA reels. I get a lot of motivational stuff. I get a lot of like productivity stuff. Uh, I remember there was this guy called Eric Jorgensen who had come on the show way back like in 2020. He said that your Twitter can be a very big self-help tool, but you need to regularly follow and unfollow accounts to tell the algorithm what you want. Mm-hmm. So I used that on Twitter and then I actively started doing it on Instagram in 2020. So we were what, like 27 in 2020? Mm-hmm. Around that time, uh, everything switched up. And now it's like, it's not really a sexual trigger anymore, but I see it being a sexual trigger for a lot of my friends. Your libido is more socially acceptable libido, now. Yeah, true. Which it wasn't, you know, like when we were younger or whatever, like our generation still did whatever they wanted to do. But that being said, at a societal level, I don't think it was still like so okay. You know, mm. it was still like, Bacche shaadi karke sex karlo, you know, mm. like it was still at that level. And people do what they want is a different thing. But like, I just mean societally. Um, I think now maybe like people don't care as much it's not so much of a hot button issue you know like whether people are having sex or not. which thank god i mean like how is it anyone else's business what people are doing you know behind closed doors but uh, yeah i think it's just that i think it's more socially acceptable and this generation is also like i think a lot more open about what they want than we ever were and uh, that's a great thing for them. Like more power to them, you know, like... Uh, You're talking about Gen Zs. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a lot more vocal and a lot more expressive about what they want than what we were. Uh, what I love about them is like some of the boundaries they set in a work environment that we were too chicken shit to do when like we were in those situations. Like? I think I think they're good at setting up boundaries and going like, these are the things that I will do and these are the things that I won't do. Which can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because at the end of the day, you need experience to actually you know, get anywhere professionally. But uh, I like the fact that they set boundaries and they know their worth and all of those things I feel that our generation didn't really have at that stage. Mm. Again, the flip side is when you see someone setting up boundaries like that as the manager, as the boss, then you don't feel like giving the opportunity there as well. Yeah. You feel like giving the opportunity to a person who's willing to do anything. Yeah. And so I understand from a manager perspective why that might be... uh, like why that might be the way you want to go but it's also not great from a work-life perspective if you think of that person who you're hiring who's like saying that you know like on some level it's nice because they have that kind of drive but on on another level they are going to essentially trample over any other thing in their life 
to just do this job or whatever and i i'm saying that from a place of experience because i was one of those people where i went like mai to kuch bhi karega tu bol and like it completely wrecked havoc on yeah. my personal yeah. life Th- that is very luck dependent if you had a very exploitative manager or an exploitative boss then maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> then it's a bad situation but if if you're in a good positive energy work environment that kuch bhi karega mentality can really forward your career yeah but most that switch hasn't happened here yet it's mm, no, the fair. majority are still majority of managers are still exploitative the ones that like who see your kuch bhi karega and have enough integrity of their own to go like okay but i don't want to exploit you i appreciate the fact that you show up and you do what's more than required but here's the time that you need for yourself because you need to be a person those managers are very few and far in between coupled with the fact that like our indian luminaries also say things like oh people should work for 70 80 hours a week honestly that uh, kind of is you're exploiting whatever youth we have you know and uh, i don't know what good that's going to do anyone to have like an entirely burnt out working class by the time everyone is 40 mm. what age pressure has been put on you in your life honestly i am very lucky with my parents my parents don't put a lot of age pressure on me i think uh, a lot of the pressure that i have comes from myself only and based on the kind of things that i consume on the internet like currently i feel like i am a i don't know whether i want kids or not okay really? and for the longest time i was very like oh i don't want children and i'm not interested in having children and whatever um i don't know if it's a just a product of my getting older and my uterus trying to trick me <laughs> or it was a product of the fact that i warmed up to having kids uh, in my last relationship whatever um now i'm not sure and one of the only things that i think frustrates me about the age thing is that uh, women have a expiry date on their fertility and uh, so now i am going through this thing of like should i freeze my eggs so that at least i essentially buy myself more time because i know myself enough to know that um, if say like the baby fever like really kicks in you know by the time i'm like 37 i just don't want to be one of those people who like does like a quickie wedding just so that i can have kids like i don't want to settle for someone who might not necessarily be right for me just because i don't want to miss the boat on having kids so okay. I want to ask you so much more about this because this is something that guys don't ever experience probably until they're fifty or sixty. I heard apparently that's a myth that like male fertility also lasts for like really uh, like also has a expiry date, but I think it just becomes like significantly lower than rather than going away. Isn't it difficult to get? But I don't know. I'm not spreading pseudo science on the show. Okay, like I don't. Oh really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't That's know. A fun I don't statement. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my point is like okay, when I have conversations with guys my age, we never talk about fertility. Okay, we we talk about injuries and sometimes career pressure, the pressure of taking care of aging parents. That's another conversation that comes up. But we never have conversations about bio clocks and fertility. I see that. a lot of girls who are my age or my friends this is you <laughs> and few other people uh you guys talk a lot about bioclocks and actually as a guy i kind of feel bad like a little bit because this is a very weird kind of pressure on you guys 
I mean, yeah, of course we talk about it because one, everyone is keenly aware that your fertility is not going to last forever. Second, on a very societal conditioning level, like we are kind of made to feel that our value lies in like us having children. Like how? Uh, so, I don't know if I should talk about this, but you sent me a video recently uh, about that, uh, whatever that girl who is like 35 years old and has decided not to have kids and like she wants to just live her life for fun. Mm. Um, I uh, went through the comments of that video. The video itself was really innocuous and it was like sweet and whatever. Went through the comments of that video and uh, you should, it was like 500 straight comments of like 99% men Telling this woman that like, how dare you not have a child? What, like, what is this arrogance that you have in yourself to not have a child? Don't you know that the whole point of human beings is that we should procreate and we have to like, you know, uh, whatever, further our lines. My God, what a conceited thought that your line is the one that needs furthering, but whatever. And it's just, um, I don't know. Like, it feels like a, a woman who has decided like that oh I don't want children she like somehow on some subconscious level just like loses value because the only thing that she has to offer society is that she can have children and uh, that in itself is a little bit shitty because we have more to offer the world and uh, it's like to put us into a box of like oh you are just here to like pop out the next generation so that our human line can continue like is like a little sad what do girls talk to each other about when they're our age a lot of things about this topic about mm. this bio clock and all that nothing i think at the moment uh, the conversation that i've kind of been having with everyone is uh, are you planning to freeze your eggs i'm planning to freeze my eggs and like, there are there are people who've frozen their eggs yeah and there, i don't know about people who have frozen their eggs i think uh, everyone that i know is like currently in the consideration phase because there are things to consider right uh, because there are storage charges and like it's not an easy process it's not like gay or bola che anda nikalo or che anda nikla you know like it's like whatever you have to for six months you have to do like hormone therapy and like there's there's a lot that goes into it uh so and it's obviously very taxing on the body also to have your eggs harvested what is hormone therapy Again, I don't want to like, you should talk to a doctor all, about all, it. All um, I know is that it's supposed to be painful, like slightly painful. No, so I think you have to take injections for like a few months so that like essentially your body starts producing more eggs. So your body essentially produces one egg per month, which eventually comes out in the form of your period when your like inner uterus lining kind of disintegrates. I don't know how much detail you want <laughs> but, but yeah, so like the, that is essentially what your period is. So your body basically releases one egg. Now, if you're trying to um, get your eggs frozen, you need your body to release more eggs than normal. So you essentially pour, like go through hormone therapy where you're giving yourself like hormone injections so that it releases more eggs at that time. That is at a very base level what it is. Sperm freezing is so much more different. <laughs> yeah. Sperm freezing, I guess, is fun for you guys. It's sperm freezing is something we could do since we're kids. Yeah, but you know what? Women's healthcare is uh, not fun for us at any stage. Like, so... At any stage? I mean, no form of healthcare for us is particularly fun. Like, I had a... a so while I was in the US, uh, I found like a a mass. And so then I went to the uh, doctor to get it checked out and whatever. I cannot tell you a more 
dehumanizing experience than like going for those like scans and like just having stuff happen to you while you're like just standing like impotent not knowing what to do um so yeah it's not fun maybe it's healthcare overall that feels dehumanizing and you just feel like a sack of meat and you're kind of just reminded that you are literally a sack of meat that has like a few rudimentary thoughts but uh, yeah it's not super fun uh gynac visits are not super fun uh there's no guy equivalent of this young guy equivalent i think older guys there is an equivalent where your prostate gets problems yeah. but there's no young guy equivalent of this. like i don't have to go to my andrologist all the girls i know have a gynecologist like they have a standard yeah, gynecologist yeah because a lot of women to. also have pcod and stuff right uh, which you guys don't have to deal with there's no guy equivalent of it probably like maybe some cases of erectile problems but that's as far as i it mean gets. but not at your age though right oh uh, there there are there are okay. psychological problems uh, which uh, turn okay. into erectile problems okay but that that's as Learn far as new every day that's as far as it goes for guys with you guys it's like it's a very complex system that requires a regular gynac visit which yeah, i find so we have very complex plumbing going on inside is <laughs> <laughs> all i can say what do girls go to gynecologists for in the early 20s like a basic health checkup just checkups yeah like you go to make sure that like you don't have pcod or your pgs on track like uh, a lot of the times uh, you also go to check out like if you have like hormonal acne and stuff you go get some tests done that kind of stuff uh in in the us things are a little bit more invasive than they are in india like in the us it's not like uh, super uncommon to kind of get like your vagina checked out and stuff but i think here they try to avoid doing that still uh because i think there is like i think they just don't want to be too invasive but at the same time i don't know who that's really helping like health is health virgin or not you know like the one thing that i find a little strange is that in the coming decade as 30 31 year olds in the coming decade we're probably going to lose friends yeah with this whole young heart attack young cancer situation like i've had a lot yeah. of doctors on the show like who talk about young people health problems because of lifestyle liver problems heart problems etc etc so in the coming decade we're going to be losing friends yeah it's what i think about a lot actually because uh, in the coming decade um, a decade from now we will be like 40 going on 41 and uh, i think sometimes i worry about like all the things that we will lose you know in like this decade which is like such a glass half empty way to look at things you will gain a lot of stuff also but uh, like in my 20s i feel like the thing that i lost the most that i really regret is like my childhood a little bit Like, I feel like I lost my like inner yeah. innocence and it like to a large extent it got taken away from me that in is... one of those situations which you obviously know and uh, that was really fucked up because like I feel like one eventually you have to let go of your inner child you can hold on to parts of it but um, to kind of have it ripped away from you is uh, it took me a really long time to kind of get over that so That's so nice a sentence. 
it's sad but it's a very important kind of sad what yeah, you said yeah but it's to be done on your terms it can't be taken away from you by someone else it, you have to have <sighs> the agency to let it go for me it happened when i failed in engineering college and people treated me different after i failed and i realized wow this is how the world treats failures yeah and it just toughened me up and then there was a bad breakup at 25 26 these are the two very very important character building yet inner child murdering moments of my life yeah. it is so important to go through and everyone has to go through a version of this in their 20s what was the hardest one for you to hear the hardest one for me to kind of accept which killed my inner child a little bit was that i can't expect unconditional love from anyone yeah other than your parents other than my parents but like that one was a hard one to like kind of accept and it sounds like oh like it can at a superficial level ha theek hi hai you can't expect no like that but uh, if you really internalize it and understand it for what it means and the implications that you have and how literally no one is obligated to love you it like hurts you know like it really hits very hard so you know the practical way of doing that is spending time with your family and spending time with a friend who you actually care about so the fact that all my actual friends were care about all over the world it affected me a lot through my 20s and i had to nurture new friendships in my 20s which were often the people i work with which is rajas manish all these guys hmm. like they are my real friends who i can like show my inner child to and not be judged but yeah all in all i think the world rips you apart like i didn't even with beer biceps growing i didn't like the fact that I was very underrated for very long, and I always wanted to be recognized. And once I got recognized, you I stopped. Got overexposed. Yeah, I got overexposed. I I didn't enjoy not being the cool content creator. I was a very cool content creator up to when now I'm mainstream, and now everyone wants to watch a hero fall. Yeah. So I I, I sense that a lot. I sense people always trying to pull us down, but it's okay. I knew that this is how life would be. This is how it happens to anyone who goes mainstream. But I just miss being cool and underrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay your piles of money can now comfort you <laughs> it's okay that's true which is a great point in this podcast to head into our meme reaction segment <laughs> okay uh cool. this is an outcome of being mainstream have you Which seen any of our beer biceps memes i actually do um, in fact uh, i think all every week i probably have four different people who send <laughs> me a beer biceps video going like what is this and i'm like why are you asking me i'm this, this happens to all my friends and family like Like I, I don't, I don't know. I think people on the internet they take things way too seriously. Like just calm down. Like I, what do you mean people take things too seriously? I don't know. It's a lot of like, how can you say like this? And it's ah. just, put a light, lay, bro. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> okay, meme reaction time. Okay. Okay, so my team compiled these memes. Okay. For this episode. Okay. Let's begin. We okay. can begin by playing. खुश हो लाइफ में हाँ खुश हो या क्यों खुश हो when i see my own memes i feel bad that's not true at all because the opposite of love is not hate the opposite of love is indifference yeah, so I, I, <laughs> when you're memed it's that you're still in you're still relevant okay 
I think it's important to be relevant in meme culture if you're going mainstream. And the people who have to actually find the depth will go to that podcast anyway and find the depth. Yeah, but like, okay, but you won't get like a... So there's like, there will be a certain audience that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your work, but all they know of you are these like memes. That's okay. Because, (laughs) see, okay, my counter to that is we have such a big variety of podcasts that there's something for everyone. So if someone gets to know me through the memes, that's okay because at some point, they will come across my YouTube channel and then scan it. So it's a very 2023 way of looking at it. Okay. And I don't think, like, I'm also saying this as a digital professional. Okay. I think it's very important to be a part of meme culture. Uh, That's just how I look at it. No, I get it because I feel like nothing can go as viral as a meme and you will reach a lot more people. I just feel like considering that your podcast is like really serious uh, and it has like a lot of things of value to give the world it <laughs> feels a little sad sometimes that people like judge it based on whatever okay. like 10 second meme they see you it's know? fine okay uh, let's see the next one yeah when people are sad today they do Rajpal Yadav meme type in the search bar do you do that Rajpal Yadav meme or Rajpal Yadav comedy scenes no it's just all friends and everything they show you they show you they show you आपको शर्म फील होती है ये सब करके आर यू अशेम्ड ऑफ योर बॉडी वर्क नो सी दिस इज द पावर ऑफ कटिंग थिंग्स इन अ पर्टिकुलर वे द कॉन्टेक्स्ट देयर वाज डिफरेंट इन द एक्चुअल पॉडकास्ट आई आस्क्ड हिम आपको शर्म फील होती है जब मैं आपको आपके ही क्लिप्स दिखा रहा हूं बिकॉज़ इट्स वियर्ड टू शो समवन देयर ओन शिट ओके सो आई थिंक वी वाच द होल पॉडकास्ट दैट कॉन्टेक्स्ट कम्स दिस इज व्हाट आई एम ट्राइंग टू टेल यू दैट कॉन्टेक्स्ट डजंट कम थ्रू व्हाटएवर I I spoke to Tanmay hmm. about this in detail. Hmm. He said that, uh, dude, I probably wouldn't do the job you're doing because when you're releasing that much content, you will be memed and reeled and all that. And you have to just be ready for it. But doesn't it bother you that like people take things out of context and then kind of use that as an excuse to like, you know, box you into something? It would have bothered me if I hadn't released work that i'm proud of but like internally i'm very proud of like the library of work i've done <laughs> okay so okay that's the honest truth and this isn't like a strong facade do you feel i'm giving a strong facade not really i feel like maybe on some level i, I don't know like ever since you were a kid a lot of people have told you hey ranveer ye mat kar yeah. kya kar raha like what are you doing but you've like just done it so maybe it's just like your personality only huh? i i think it's important to be made fun of when you're a kid if you intend on being famous in life i guess but uh, you were by all like all metrics a fairly popular kid and not <laughs> really i don't know that a lot of people were necessarily making fun of you it was just more like what the fuck is this decision making dude <laughs> like that was what it was <laughs> i look at meme culture as an, as an extension of my teenage like okay. as in this is kind of that's, what, so that's what, how you know you, you know what he said do you know what he did <laughs> Great. Bring me the brand money. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you mean like, okay, so for example, suppose like someone just watches this video, right? Mm. Out of context. Uh, are you ever worried that a guest would see it and go like, oh, I won't be treated correctly on this show? No, no. I, I mean, so I'll, the closest that this has happened is, uh, say we had Guru Randhawa come in that day and he referenced some meme that... Yeah, I got sent that four times. No, no, that, that's a Guru Randhava meme. I'm saying he himself was talking about another meme. I think he was talking about the Bhumi meme, if oh, I'm not mistaken. Okay. He's like, I saw it. Ah, cool. Like, the people who come on the show are very familiar with 
the dynamics of media and fame okay. so even they kind of look at it as meme culture's mainstream culture okay. the, the the one time i did have doubts about trolls and all that was when journalists started writing a lot of like negative articles mm. and i'm going to do a name dropping flex so should i be doing a name dropping tell you what your show as ha and a certain former captain of the indian cricket team it was my biggest idol who i will choose not to name okay which i think people know okay and all three kind of told me the same thing okay they effectively said that when you hit the mainstream people will try pulling you down you have to play through your heart not your brain because your brain will then analyze it and ask yourself questions about what you're doing but the process got you so far so you shouldn't care about the negative outcomes of the process i think it also depends on what level of control issues one has you know As because in- like what you're essentially doing is that you're putting yourself out there but how people choose to take what you're putting and consume it is never in your control right like people will choose to, like it doesn't remain your thing anymore it just becomes like a whole other animal of its own i personally feel i have too many control issues <laughs> for that to ever work for me as like a life the, the way i look at content is once i have published it i forget about that piece of content be mm. it uh the fact that returns in the form means it doesn't matter to me because it's very like focus on the present focus on building a bigger future and my gauge for success or a lack of it honestly is the numbers and money because that's why i began this career mm. and if both are just going up it means you're doing something right i guess yeah aapka apne bacche se divorce nahi hota na wo kitna tang kare aapko hota hai hmm oh nahi batao i'm asking you sorry it's relatable everyone goes through that it's like you it looks like you weren't sure whether she was asking you a question directly or she was making a statement she was saying some stuff that i knew would make headlines <laughs> so my so you were like oh keep saying keep saying yeah my state of mind was what else do you want to say nina ma'am this is very interesting <laughs> so that's about it okay i i didn't want to interrupt her flow so when she said that i think what she said uh, was the beginning of the next sentence so i didn't want to like stop her that was just me being polite <laughs> okay दिल्ली आओगे मेरे पास जी जी हंड्रेड परसेंट बिना कैमरे के यस यस बहुत कुछ बातें करनी है देखेंगे कुछ देखेंगे ओके ठीक है कुछ दिखाऊंगा क्या देखा कुछ महसूस कराऊंगा ओके ओके क्योंकि वो हर एक को नहीं करा जो कर सकता है उसी को महसूस करा सकते हैं आई अंडरस्टैंड आई अंडरस्टैंड Do you? <laughs> Do you understand? If you read any of the comment sections, it's very sexual. <laughs> it, it sounds very sexual, <laughs> no. which is why I'm asking you. Do you understand what he was saying? I actually did. I kind of have a vibe about what he was going to show me, which mm-hmm. wasn't anything sexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had had some spiritual conversation off camera as well in that podcast. Huh. So. uh that's why this happened okay. but the moment he started saying that there was a part of my brain that went oh this is going to make it a meme culture <laughs> so there is a there's a moment where i'm like just i'm say nodding it. Say it, say but it. actually my internal voice is saying ah this is going to be a part of some meme okay. which happened so anyway sir ye jo bhi sapne hai kitne dur hai realistically sir aap ek baat yaad rakhna मैं सपने दिखाने वाला नहीं हूँ नहीं नहीं वो वैसे मैं नहीं कर रहा नहीं नहीं आप गलत फेमी मत करना तुम नहीं हिंदुस्तान का कोई पत्रकार मुझे उस उल्टा हर चीज के जवाब है और पूर्वन एग्जांपल है सर मैं पत्रकार नहीं हूँ 
लोगों की सोच भी यहाँ तक नहीं पहुँचती सन से लाइट को पहुँचने के लिए आठ मिनट लगते और लोग कहते साइंटिस्ट ये मानते हैं कि यूनिवर्स में सबसे फास्ट चीज लाइट होती है अगर ये सच है देन वाई इज इट दैट अगर आप अभी सन के सर्फेस के बारे में सोच रहे हो तो आपके थॉट तुरंत वहाँ तक पहुँच जाए मतलब आपके थॉट्स लाइट से भी ज्यादा फास्ट एनर्जी It was definitely done with the look at beer biceps peddling his pseudoscience. But I never said it's science. That's which someone would have to watch the video to see. Which again brings me back to my original question of like, how come you're okay with like how people can just do whatever they want with your content? Because I think that when you're fifty and your whole body of work is complete, people see the averaged out body of work rather than these moments. This is what I've seen throughout my career. Yeah, because we had controversy in the past also. Hmm. So at this point, I know that there's too many people who actually want to spoil the beer buyer's name, spoil TRS name, and it is somewhere coming out of a place of envy. Ah, uh, but you can't like help it. So I, I, I had got a little upset when I saw this, but not upset to the point where I was like, oh, how can they say this about me? Upset because this has totally been taken out of context. I never said that that's science, hmm. but you know the fact that people are doing it again. It's not ah uh, hate. It's like. I don't know. In some cases, I do feel like you feel it's hate. A little bit in some cases. I'm sure I, that I, in a I, lot of memes, like you can actually tell when someone is just like memeing for fun. This uh, Guru Randhawa meme is the only time where I felt it's been done in bad taste. I do feel that too because yeah. like I I saw it and like. I, I don't know. I just the thing is, they also don't highlight all the medical medical podcasts we do, all the astrophysics. Of course not, no, because like those don't get like. First of all, unfortunately, our culture is fueled in a way that only negative stuff gets like mm. high clicks. So like, no headline that says "Beer Biceps doing honest and great job" is ever going to get a yeah. click. Yeah. But "Beer Biceps peddles pseudoscience" like yeah. in ten million. You know clicks. what? It doesn't change. This is what people don't understand. Okay, and this is me doing a bit of a flex. I've entered rooms with some very nice, established people, and there are often people in those rooms who have seen my stuff and don't reference pseudoscience as a tag. They say the depth as yeah, yeah, you know something they watch the show for, which is the long-term validation for my work because I know it's not going to appeal to everyone. That's something you learn with age that no matter what you do, all your work is not going to appeal to everyone. Yeah, but uh, whatever it is, what it is, dude, it's a part of being in media. Also, all in all, like the averaged out experience of my life is insane. Like it's an insane life. It's entourage happening in real life. Okay? Yeah, When, I know. If you told me at twelve, thirteen, fourteen that my life would be like this, I would have been like very excited. I think you would have died in that moment only, <laughs> and never like you know realize that life. So it's a good thing you didn't know. Yeah. Which is why I understand. Uh, You know the long-term scheme of things that dude has been like an insanely nice life, and at the end of your career, people are gonna average out your career. They they never remember just the viral meme from the Guru Randhawa podcast. It's yeah. too small a blip, and it shows that there are people who want to paint you know dirty paint onto your PR, your you know, onto your brand image. 
but uh, if you keep like working in the long term people will recognize your body of work which i think is happening again for the people maybe this is the engineer in me speaking but the truth is always in the numbers so i, I agree with you because yeah. like um, those numbers are, don't lie and numbers aren't biased mm. i feel like everyone operates from their very inherent biases and everyone has like something that is like bothering them which is honestly related to them only but then they project it onto you and i feel like at this point you have become a little bit of an easy target because it's just i'm out there <laughs> yeah because you're out there and you're everywhere and like yeah. obviously not everyone is happy to see other people's success plus i get to meet cricketers on the show and i realize how much more intense their version of this thing is oh i'm sure like i'm because sure because there it's your physical attributes that cricket is a religion no in india so like i'm sure that the pressure on them is like really intense it's that's something i don't think i'd have the emotional stability to deal with after getting to know them first hand and mm-hmm. how their personal lives are spoken about and how they're professional that's it's a whole other conversation so youtubers are not there and mm-hmm. i don't think youtubers will ever really reach that but okay for example my biggest idol one of my biggest media idols in the world is joe rogan okay then i say that publicly sometimes at parties people will be like yeah how can you like joe rogan etc isn't he an xyz and they just saying it based on the negative pr they've heard which in my case is negative memes isn't it dumb isn't it pseudo science mm. but then there'll always be people in the room who'll defend joe rogan so my my hope and anticipation is when your body of work is that big you make it to people's houses you make it to people's living rooms yeah and eventually the parents will only tell them that no dude maybe you know this is the other side of it which has happened in many cases like this the last one or two years my tg like my the people i'm targeting has been like our parents age age yeah. group so i like it i don't mind a few so, kids so my, hate and own me my mother found out about my last podcast with you uh, because her students saw it <laughs> and they were like is this your daughter <laughs> like, <laughs> so like that's how she found out so yes they are very well aware my mother yeah. knows more about what you're doing uh, i've had like my aunts come to me and go like oh beer biceps you know beer biceps so i listen to his podcast so like yeah, yeah. again long term scheme of things people remember the average dot body of your work so it's it's important that's why at least in my eyes it's important to as a content creator you have to put out a huge quantity of work that's just how i look at shit yeah. like like the biggest content creator in the country today is carry minati mm. and he is also heavily criticized for his own quirks mm. but that doesn't stop him from being the biggest content creator because numbers don't lie yeah so in content creation no matter who you are you can be carry minati tanmay nikhil kamath प्राजक्ता कोहली एनी एवरी वन गेट्स क्रिटिसाइज्ड इट्स समथिंग आई स्पोक टू मनीष अबाउट इन टर्म्स ऑफ हेड वर्क टू पीपल फ्रॉम द स्टार्टअप इंडस्ट्री फ्रॉम क्रिकेट लिल बिट फ्रॉम द वर्ल्ड ऑफ एक्टिंग आज व्हाट्स यूनिक अबाउट द वर्ल्ड ऑफ कंटेंट क्रिएशन ही इज लाइक दिस मैसिव अप्स एंड मैसिव डाउन दिस काइंड ऑफ लाइक क्रिकेट ओनली मैसिव अप्स आर द रिवॉर्ड्स एंड एक्सेस एंड ऑल यू गेट डोंट नीड अबाउट द इन्फ्लुएंस आर लाइफ बट ही सेड द मैसिव डाउन्स आर ही इज नॉट सीन इंडस्ट्रीज विद दिस लेवल ऑफ स्क्रूटनी एंड uh personal criticism so you need to be thoda thick skin to be a part of it scout is one of the countries because gaming content creators he also said the same thing mm. that if you have shame inside you then don't be a content creator you have to be a little shameless i would argue that one has to be a little shameless to get through life only like uh, while you have yeah. a little shame you're not going to really be able to go after every single thing that you want and also a lot of the times the shame is just like societal crap that's internalized Okay, maybe maybe I'd replace what he said with sensitivity. I think you can't be sensitive when you're a content creator. Mm. 
Yeah. Like if you're, if you're too sensitive to what people say, then you, this you can't, is not the. You have to be thick-skinned, basically. Like yeah. very deeply thick-skinned. Like mm. because I've anyway. Like there are there are lines that people cross online often, but you can't do anything because it's I, the downside I, of fame. I know, and like people have. I don't know the internet has become very toxic recently and like Instagram especially has become very really? toxic. So we should move on to the memes yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Let's come down That's to the serious story. questions. Aap fap karte? Ha bhai. Din mein char baar kare hu. Aaj ek hotel mein bhi karke aaya hu. You kabhi na hai. Kabhi khada na hua. This is the difference between like so okay, as a content creator when you're seeing someone talk about you or mimic you, you always know the origin point of it. Yeah. Uh I'm not able to articulate exactly how, but it's not from a bad place. Yo, it was from a bad place in that um, Guru Randhava meme. Like you, you just know sometimes based on how it's edited, how someone's even acting. There's nuances you pick up. So with this, I actually felt extremely validated. <laughs> so, so put in a lot of effort yeah. into this set. Like honestly, for the first time when I saw this, I was like, did you loan out your set so yeah. he could do this? like uh, all all that dude like the attention to detail like you see the green prop behind you look behind Look, you. look I, behind I, you I know which is why I said that it looks exactly <laughs> like yourself I was blown away that's how, if someone can pay this much attention to detail that means i've truly made it commercially yeah go now was tak aisa lage ho jata hai kabhi kabhi agar koi hot dikh jaye to ya koi phone pe peko deewar mein chhed do football कल तो फूलों को देख के हो गया था वो तो गोल भी नहीं है There, there are one or two people who've actually done it really well. Uh, I can't remember their names. If I find it again, I'll send it to you. All in all, validating. Yeah, that's how I feel. I, right I think now. that's good. Like, um, yeah. if you feel validated by the memes, I think uh, it's definitely a very important point to like um, know that it's what keeps things relevant and it mm. actually helps a broader audience. It's you. you know people will get pissed off when I say this, and I'm not at all comparing myself to King Khan. I think he's not just a king; he's an emperor. But when people went, hey, mm, somewhere it helped culturally in his brand. Oh, hundred percent. So there's a reason that he's embedded into our like social fabric, right? Yeah. Like, like he's just iconic. Anyone who's culturally important gets either mimicked or memed or something. Actually, that's a very good point because I think that like. Uh, if people hadn't maybe picked up on the kakakakiran or if he had if this thing hadn't <laughs> like it, for a while it becomes people making fun of you and i think eventually it changes into the thing that makes you iconic mm. because it's that thing that is so like uniquely you that if any time you see a man doing this you know that oh bro he's trying to be mm. shahrukh khan so like it's probably also that like the life cycle of the thing changes from it just being like mean spirited to eventually it becoming the thing that like makes you instantly recognizable hmm what, what do you think shahrukh khan has done right on a very human level dude i'll i'll have a go at it first i think he's actually been very very obsessed with his career i actually think that that's the case and i would argue I, i'd love to actually speak to him on the show at some point and ask him this exact question 
because if you want to learn about success he is like the guy you should learn from and i i do believe that behind the scenes he's probably had some what of an unbalanced life because you can't achieve that level of success fame and money without living a slightly unbalanced life but i mean that's just you ask me on a human level what what do you think it has been on a human level because being obsessed with his career is like also like a little bit compartmentalized in the professional capacity right but like there is a reason that Char- like people love shahrukh khan despite the fact that like outside of these like two three movies that have come out this year he had probably like stopped acting right like for a whole period in between where there were like no movies with shahrukh coming out but that didn't reduce how much people love him so what is it on a human level intelligence like too much street smart too much challenging yourself this was i'll tell you in year 8 of being in media i feel a little tired of like challenging myself little tired i can't imagine what he's feeling in year 30 or 40 or wherever he's at 30 right 1990 roughly yeah, yeah. 30 33 years 33 in media years. i can't imagine what stamina ambition obsession it's taking i imagine it's become like a part of life for him now that like even consistently challenging yourself can eventually become just like a part of your personality right because you've done it for so long that it can just become who you are as a person i personally think it's his dignity though like he has maintained his like dignity and his integrity through everything and i think that really comes through on some subconscious level even to a viewer where like you respect shahrukh khan like whatever he does no matter if his movie is good if his movie is trash it doesn't matter it's like you respect who he is as a person and how he's gotten to where he is and yet even he has haters and he also has haters i'm sure but like yeah. he's just so he's like just takes everything on the chin and he's like he's like he seems like a sorted guy i don't think there's been a more loved celebrity that i can remember maybe 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 kohli i don't know you say kohli I mean I look at Kohli as again someone to like admire his whole brand is that he's like gotten to where he is like through hard work and discipline and persistence and like it's nice and like I think the vibe that he has with Anushka Sharma is also really nice I think uh, that also helped uh, like he used to be like a really angry guy right like at the beginning of his career and like I think people would not really focus on how he was playing but more on like how he was like saying like on the you know field or whatever uh but i think that is he's like done that very gracefully that entire flip i was debating with some cousins of mine about who's more famous because kohli right now is gaining a lot of fame in the states and in the west generally for um, his instagram numbers and all this reels about how big his instagram numbers are okay i think he's the third biggest after ronaldo and messi if i'm not mistaken i might be wrong okay. but i'm sure he's in the top 5 at least okay um So my argument was that hmm, maybe Kohli in five years' time might overtake Shahrukh Khan in terms of fame, and there were some foreigners sitting with us, and those foreigners were like, "No way, we've heard of Shahrukh Khan since our childhood." I don't think that it has to be like. You I don't, don't have to compare the two. Yeah, you don't have to compare the two. Both of them can like <clears throat> coexist very peacefully because both of them are in different. Like, why do we have to reduce the number of good role models that we have by putting them in competition with each other? It's perfectly fine to have like two decent, famous men for people to look up to, rather than like all of us just like focusing on. Better, who is? 
इंटरनेट नीड्स जीजस यू नो लाइक वी नीड इट वी नीड द गुड लाइक कैरेक्टर रोल मॉडल्स टू लुक अपट्स रियली सैड दैट वे हेयर That's a mature thing for you to say, Nandini. Okay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> how do you feel about it? Why are you comparing them? Uh, it makes for good conversation on the show. Okay. Which is also what leads to a lot of memes. Sometimes you know that something might lead to a meme. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <sighs> what do we talk about now? I don't know. I've been uh, struggling with the uh, the lack of conviction to do anything anymore. which is kind of what i asked you do you feel like you know less now and is that okay i definitely know less every single year because i learn so much more every year i really yeah. know f- then know this and then know this and then know this yeah i think it's also about outlook i i feel like uh, a lot of the times it's just motivating for me by the way do you know what my uh, motivation song is what uh, so i rediscovered this song after like a really long time at the beginning of the year and uh, i played to myself uh, now so you heard that song no fatela j since now my motivation song that's from aankhe <laughs> yeah it's from aankhe great film uh, the film was fine that like some really weird scenes now that i think about it Where like they kill like, paresh rawal by tickling him <laughs> yeah and then he falls on a fence right and the fence goes like into his eyes and then he dies and i was just like okay cool but that song it has like some universal truth in it like what honestly it's like about like i think it's kind of more like what you preach right about like um, how things, yeah things get better you have to just like keep moving forward mm. and uh, I really like it, and I I think it uh, appeals to the Bombay Tapori in me. At the same time, like it has like very deep lyrics for a song that literally starts with "Fatela James." <laughs> like, like it's a very good song. It's a "Rukne ka nae, thakne ka nae, life ma chalte rehne ka." I love it. Ah, uh, speaking about great films, hmm. I don't think "Ho Gaye Ham Kahan" is spoken about enough, and I'll tell you why I think it's a great film. Uh, I'll also definitely say that a lot of people didn't relate with it. People our age from urban India related to it a lot. Mm. My own um, cousins uh, who live abroad couldn't understand what's happening in the film. Like they didn't really vibe with the film. Okay. And um, I have some older relatives, and by older I mean like thirty-five, thirty-six. Even they didn't exactly understand what's going on. But I think what was shown in the film was a representation of urban Gen Zs in so many ways. and urban millennial culture also to a large degree uh, great acting uh, very psychologically intense script intense characterization and uh, i personally feel that if i ever have kids and they turn 20 i'll want to show them kho gaye hum kahan as a time capsule movie that this is how life used to be in 2023 or 2024 That's how nice I think that movie was. I might even watch it again because I think there's layers in that movie. Like yeah. you'll you'll pick up something new every time you watch it. People are saying shit like it's the uh, new generation's dil chaata. I don't think it's that yeah, think uh, it's impactful, mm. but it's a great film. Like seeing that film gave me hope about what else in the Hindi film industry is going to produce because it was a very culturally relevant film. 
Uh, yeah, I actually really liked it. Uh, I was not expecting anything from it. I thought it was just one of those like time pass watches that I would kind of do. Uh, I was not expecting that film to hit me as hard as it did. Um, you know, there's that scene with Aranya Pandey where she's like trying to avoid her phone and she's like whatever working at her desk that was just like a little too real, you know. For me, it was how they showed Instagram and Instagrammers. And I know so many Instagram. I'm an Instagrammer myself. It's very apt. <laughs> a lot of the shit they show is very real. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a very good film. I actually really liked it. Um, and for the first time, I felt that Bollywood produced a film where, uh, have you noticed how like when they're trying to show youth and youth culture and youths, youths having fun, you know, <laughs> there's like a very typical like, oh my God, let's do shots, you know, like that mm. whole clubbing scene, the shots scene. And that's how people have fun. And it's kind of reductive of people and put whatever it's a that's a whole other like little TED talk of its own you can open that up no in the sense of like I feel like it sets wrong expectations for people it shows them that like you can't like if you're not going out and clubbing then you're not really having fun and like I feel there are a lot of different types of people in the world not everyone has to do the same thing that's what I'm saying it's a whole other thing uh what I liked about this movie is just that um I didn't really cringe in this movie at like how the youth was being depicted and like as as a me former member of the youth like i used to like be like kind of like this is not what we're like and like this film actually felt like a like i don't know i found some kind of representation for myself mm. in that movie mm. like all of us know a character in that movie all of us are a character in that exactly movie. right like i could see parts of myself in like maybe all of them like yeah, a parts bit. of myself in all of them that's so true I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. First question is, give some must-watch recommendations of movies or shows. Even if you just want to give one or two, that's fine. From this last year. I, for me, I would say, Kho hmm. for telling you the truth about at least urban India. Okay? Uh, and maybe second, what's another great thing that we watched and discussed? I told you mine was Everything Everywhere All At Once. That was my favorite movie of hmm. the year. Actually, it was, there were two movies that were my favorite movies of the year uh, Everything Everywhere All At Once was for my soul and uh, Theater Camp which is the other one was for my shits and giggles like it was way too funny and it had no right being as funny as it was as a movie uh, but maybe it's a little bit niche uh, I know that not everyone will like it but I loved it Everything Everywhere All At Once I feel should honestly be like one of it should be on those lists of like a movie that you must see before you die yeah i i really believe that give, give some context what's the movie about uh so on the face of it actually the movie is not really about anything basically it's uh there's a lot of dimension hopping and like being able to essentially take on skills that you might have had in another life uh but at its very core it's kind of a story of like a mother and daughter relationship and about like how this woman like uh like this immigrant mom she's never found a way to connect with her child and then in another universe that child her child becomes like this massive like villain who is trying to essentially end the universe as it is because all she sees of the universe is suffering so um it's a very deep film uh it's a film that actually requires a lot of watchings to kind of get it there are a lot of what the f scenes in it okay like there's one scene where they're just like two rocks 
with like googly eyes with like subtitles where they're talking to each other and uh, it's a very like um, if you're not into like the whole like arty thing you're probably going to go like bro what is this but uh, actually that scene in itself is so like nice because even in that they managed to find like emotional nuance so um Lo- I think also it had something to do with where I was in life emotionally at that point. But uh, I think that movie just like drives home the fact that you can be anything that you want. But at the end of the day, the only place you really should be is with the people who love you and the people that you love. And it has like a really nice message and it's shot so well and it's really funny and it's like heartbreaking. And it's it was just an amazing watch. I loved it. It was like my top pick of the year. Give a piece of life advice to end the podcast. The one thing that I'm currently doing for myself, I was a huge procrastinator. Like I spent my whole life just like pushing things off and choosing not to do like things that felt hard or difficult or anything like that. Um, I feel like I wasted a lot of my life because by choosing to make those decisions, I took away from a lot of the things that I could have been doing or took away from the time that I could have otherwise spent with people that I loved. Um, don't be a procrastinator is all I have to tell you is the only real life advice that I'm currently working on for myself and maybe like don't be so self-conscious just go out and do whatever you want it really doesn't matter in the end yeah boy <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> all right see you next time okay cool thank you very much bye <laughs> bye that was the episode for today Honestly, I'd love to do casual, no-agenda podcasts like this. I know that TRS is built out of knowledge extraction-based podcasts and deeply informative episodes. But personally, I would love to do this kind of content. I just don't think that there's that many takers. Uh, We have experimented with this style about two years ago. So honestly, for me, this episode was an experiment. Um, Whenever I speak to Nandini, this is the actual kind of conversation we have. I'm sure you could tell from the show. She's someone I learn from a lot. She's someone who has a very analytical viewpoint on life. So I just wanted to share that with you guys on today's episode. Please tell me what you thought of this one. I have a bunch of other really smart friends who are not necessarily conventionally famous, but who have incredible podcasts within them. So if this one gets views, maybe we'll bring on some more gems, just like Nandini Shinoi. Make sure you go follow her everywhere on her social media handles and look out for the next episode of TRS.